What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up? It is your boy, Ant Wright. Thank you once again for joining me here on this beautiful day. Um, thank you for supporting my little EDBD YouTube channel. Uh, it's growing just, you know, a little bit, teeny by teeny. Um, continue throwing me ideas, and I'll try to uh, get them done the best way as I can. Uh, it's been a little while since I potted. Um... There's a lot that's been happening with the football season in just a ginormous cluster, and it's really unfortunate for a lot of for a lot of different parties. Um, there's there aren't everybody's not going to win, and the sooner that we can understand that, uh, the better that we'll be off. Because I just feel like everybody's still trying to win when we've been taking L's for the last several months. Um, you know, people are saying that, you know, Enoch Boache should be reclassing. I would not reclass if I were him um, because you're going to reclass into uh, why would you be a big dude and reclass just to play a year competing for 40 there's 40 minutes up for grab, you know, and you want to compete with Marcus Bingham as a senior, Thomas Kithier as a senior, uh, Julius Marble as a junior, and Matty Sissoko as a sophomore, and there's 40 minutes there, and then you want to throw yourself into that mix? Doesn't that, – that does not seem like a smart move to reclass until 2021. I, I would wait until 2022 – where it's just Marble and Sissoko there, and all you got to do is be one of them out, you know, and you're going to be second string at, at minimum. Um, Jaden Akins commits. I mean, he is legit, you know, 6'3", uh, crazy athletic, crazy athletic, really good shooter. Uh, I think he is, um, he is probably, he's probably the one recruit that I think when people look back, uh, it's going to be one of the fan favorites because he's a very exciting player, uh, very explosive. Uh, I, I've been watching this dude for you know, since he was in middle school, and um, he's gotten so much better every single year. Um, he's he's getting better being a playmaker, and he's you know getting to be a better shooter. But his athleticism and what he can do in the in the transition is amazing, and um, you know, he's like a uh, 
he's, he's like a De'Aaron Fox, even like a John Morant, just super explosive. He's so explosive. And he's going into his senior year in high school. Like, he hasn't even touched real weights yet. So, um, so that's going to be real interesting to see what he does when uh, he's in East Lansing. Um, Michigan should be getting a commit on Wednesday from a top 60 recruit, uh, Frankie Collins. Another crazy athletic dude. He's about 6'1", 6'2". Crazy athletic, really really explosive. Gets to where he wants to go. Um, Very good ball player. And then you have a guy like Bryce Hopkins, one of the top power forwards in the the country. He decommits from Louisville because of um, because of their uncertainties, because of with the whole FBI probe. Um, so then on top of that, um, you, know, you have a guy like him. He, he's about 6'7", six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven, really, really tough. Really, really tough. He's like a he's like a point forward type of player. Very good, man. Very, very good. Um, he went to the same high school as Mike Smith. Mike Smith is the... Uh, grad transfer from Columbia. So there's some type of relationship there. We'll see what happens with that. And Brendan Weston put out a top five. I did a breakdown on him a couple couple months ago. But he put out a top, no, a top five or top six, including Michigan in there, And which is interesting because I'm like looking at the scholarship situation and things aren't really adding up. So it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, you know, what type of second-year attrition um, Michigan goes through. It's going to be really interesting. And with college sports not around, man, it looks like I'm not going to be getting my SeatGeek sponsorship back anytime soon, which sucks. Sucks big time. But uh, until we either find find a cure or we get some herd immunity going, if that's a thing for this virus, then you know it's going to be pretty, going to be pretty, pretty dry out here for Sea Geek and Ticketmaster and all those guys. But either way, it should be interesting. Uh, we have Greg Mraz coming on here um, after this little commercial ad. Uh, he's from the Pac-12 Network, and uh, we're going to you know kind of talk about what's been happening in college sports and trying to see if there is any type of any type of, um, what's the word I want to use? Is there any type of resolution? Is there any way that um, you know both parties can meet and be okay with the result? And that means that both kind of win, which is not going to happen. So <laughs> that's that's like the funniest thing in this in this entire thing. But um, here comes an ad, and then I'm gonna see if we can get him on here. Tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzlin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. 
They're a one test their products four times before they get to you. Every product to is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover. Body balm for targeted relief and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Ant, what's good, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all oh, right. Oh, man. Hey, I'm glad we got glad we got the people in here. Uh, locker room, man, pretty cool. Uh, something I had not this is a dope app. Uh, previously this is heard of. App. This, 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 this app is high-key, probably – um probably my favorite app right now in terms of um i'm i'm like really excited to see where like where like this thing goes because i think it's super dope it's it's such a, a great idea yeah it's kind of like an instagram live but just for audio people can tune in just plug your ear pods in sit on the porch have a beer do something along those lines. So I'm glad that you and I, for the second time, could get together to, to talk a little college stuff. And a uh, shout-out to my number one fan, uh, Nancy Douglas. <laughs> Nancy Douglas. <laughs> Stu. <laughs> oh, man. I showed you the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, little uh, screenshot, right? I showed that to you. Yeah, you yeah, did. Nice yeah, she, yeah. I, I I like the fact that she I like the fact that she was she was as lighthearted about that as she was. So uh, All love the so love Stu Douglas. Dude was a dude was a great player. Uh, those Michigan teams in my freshman and sophomore years. My sophomore year in college was the first beeline team that went to the national title. That was the the Trey Burke team. So I mean, just a year after Stu, Trey Burke comes in and. And lights the whole conference on fire. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, pretty much last time we talked, this was like mid March. Everything had just shut down, and we were kind of like, "What happens now?" And now we're seeing this trickle down effect, and you kind of felt something was in the air as soon as the Ivy League. Push to start in 2021. Um, 
what you know you're out you're out west uh what is going on out there in terms of about the pac-12 because i think the did the pac-12 just piggyback on the on the big 10 or how did that or like who went first i forget so there there was an assumption that the pac-12 piggybacked off the big 10 but there is and i will clarify to everybody in the room right now I was laid off by the Pac-12, but I still receive a decent amount of insight in regards to what's going on, uh, mostly on a couple of internal uh, channels that are basically amongst network employees, nothing of the of the high level of conference. But there's a lot of reporters around here that get a significant amount of intel. Basically, the Pac-12's doctors all came to the Council of Athletic Directors and University Presidents and basically just said, all of our medical findings show that there is no way that we can guarantee any safety. And basically, before the Big Ten made their decision, the Pac-12 was kind of in this lurch of, we're going to have to see how everything falls out. And I honestly think it was the cancellation of the Mountain West season that kind of put this, and that was only the day before, it was the cancellation of the Mountain West season where you've got schools in a lot of the same geographic footprint. So just alone in the state of California, in the Mountain West, you've got San Jose State, you've got San Diego State, Fresno State, uh, then also in Utah, you've got Utah State, and, you know, not far away, you got Boise State, like there's a you know, there's a lot of school, Colorado State, you know, not that far away from the University of Colorado or Colorado University. You're, you've got a lot of teams in the same geographic footprint. So it was pretty much uh, somewhat decided that if the Mountain West isn't going to play, it's going to be very difficult for the Pac-12 to play. And I think all of the findings that came back, and, and I think there were a lot of doctors that basically advised the committee, this is not the right course of action. And I think given how aligned all of the universities were. And I think that's kind of where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 differ, is that there seemingly was a collection of unified forces behind the Pac-12's decision, whereas in the Big Ten, and you know, not specifically to single out Nebraska, but there seemingly was a disjointed effort in regards to what the decision was. And you know, Larry Scott has had his issues in the public light, but, you know, this is Kevin Warren's first real go around. So Kevin Warren is put in a really impossible position, at least in my opinion. And I think that the issue got a little bit more complicated with his son playing at Mississippi State. But at least from what I see, the Pac-12 made their decision in unison, whereas the Big Ten did not. And for those that are in the room, I'm a Big Ten alumnus. I went to Northwestern. So, you know, for me, the only two conferences I care about are the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So when the Big Ten made their decision, I think it had already been decided the Pac-12 had made their decision. And Larry Scott actually said on a conference-run podcast that, they were in their own guidance and weren't necessarily following with the Big Ten. It just so happened that the decisions were made on the same day. Gotcha. And uh, Connor just made a really good point. Now, there were reports on there was like a vote of like 12 to 2 or something in the Big Ten. Then it was like 8 to 6 
then there was now there's like was there even a vote because people are all like i don't know about any vote that like went down did something similar happen with the pac-12 that you that you know of was it the presidents making the vote was it the hate what was it the ad's or was it just the commissioner coming down and say hey look we're not doing this this year it was a pretty universal vote, and that vote was publicized by John Wilner, who does the Pac-12 Hotline newsletter. He runs uh, most of the college sports stuff for the Bay Area News Group. So from everything that I saw, you pretty much had ADs, chancellors, and school presidents all in agreement that this is the right decision. And you've seen statements come out from football coaches and actually from a lot of basketball coaches, in particular, Sean Miller, the head coach for Arizona, and Mick Cronin, the head coach for UCLA, basketball-wise, saying that they applaud this decision. Now, you're going to have to clarify this with me, Ant, because I'm not sure in regards to the Big Ten. This also not only knocks out all fall sports in the Pac-12, but it also eliminates the non-conference schedule for all the basketball programs. I'm not sure if that's the case in the Big Ten or whether it's just not the, the elimination yet. of – not yet. Not the so so Kevin Warren hasn't decided. Yeah, so basically the Pac-12 said that they will not consider any return to competition until January 1, 2021. Not in terms of a return date, in terms of when they decide, but when they can actually go ahead. So that decision may come probably, I would say, in late November around Thanksgiving time. But just looking at this from afar, it seems like these two conferences are being grouped in in regards to, to doing the same thing. But it seems like the arrival at this decision came from two very different schools of thought. And they were just, it just happened to be parallel in light of thought and timing and all that. Yeah, I think so. And I think that there was a big shift, and I'm not sure if you feel this way, but when all of this was first going down and when you're getting to that mid-April point when colleges are starting to think about What are they going to do for fall sports? Everybody thought that five power conferences were going to be in unison. And as it turns out, that is nowhere near the case. I am quite frankly surprised that the ACC and the Big 12 didn't make the same decisions. I figured that the ACC was going to have, and here's the thing that's interesting to me. The doctors for the ACC and the doctors for the Pac-12 seem to have completely different decisions. And now when you see the NCAA, who has really been absent in making any sort of decision or having any sort of guidance or leadership come out and say, we're not holding any fall sports championships, it's not safe to play, you have to wonder if leaving it up to the conferences, if there's any outside influence other than actual medical advice and and what you actually saw from the ACC, like, is that steeped in fact, or is that the conference commissioner and the university ADs and presidents saying, we need the revenue, we've got to play? Yeah, and, and like, I hate, I hate going down this road, man, and I, I hate even mentioning this, um, because it's, because it's, because it drains me. But there, but politics are involved here, um, and that's 
and that's what sucks. Uh, you would think that, you would think that, I mean, you're shocked at Big 12 and ACC riding with the SEC. I am not shocked at all, honestly. Um, I'm not shocked at all. Um, I'm just not shocked, not not in the slightest. And the main reason is because, you know, they want to, yes, they want to play. And I'm with you when it comes to revenue. But the one thing that they're all joined by is that if you look at where these states are politically, if you look at their states, they're all very, very similarly aligned. Um. But then beyond that, you you look at Alabama, you look at Auburn, you look at you look at you know somewhere like you know Texas. Texas has their own network that just does Texas sports. <laughs> what are they going to do without sports? You know what I mean? Just play reruns all day. Um, what is what is Alabama going to do? Revenue-wise, they don't have any pro teams. If there's no Auburn or, or like Alabama, so many, so many people, you know, forget the schools. So many businesses are going to be SOL because they rely on 200,000 people to show up in Tuscaloosa or the Auburn campus for, you know, seven or eight Saturdays every single fall. So it's... I think it's more than that, and um, I think the I I think the Big Ten and the SEC love football the same, but I think that the SEC they put all their apples in it, and without football, they really honest in my opinion, there's really nothing going on down there, and that sucks for them. Um, Drake had a good question. What do you think about Fields' petition about wanting to play? I, you know, I think that you're going to see a lot of these petitions come out. And it's pretty clear that, and I'm just going to single out four schools in the Big Ten that, are clearly not in line. And when it was suggested earlier that there wasn't really a vote, I think, you know, what you've seen from Ohio State and Ryan Day, especially what you saw from Nebraska, not just Scott Frost, but their whole administration and Kevin Warren effectively yeah. saying, eh, well, that $52 million of Big Ten Network TV revenue, that is going to go away if you leave the conference. Um, Iowa, obviously, was rumored as being one of those that have – decided that they are not in agreement with this. And you saw the letter from the Iowa parents to Kevin Warren. You saw a similar one from Nebraska parents. These kids want to play. And I think that a lot of these schools, and I'm not so necessarily sure where Michigan stands on this. I'm a little bit surprised and, and maybe not so surprised given that, you know, their coach just came from the Pac-12. I feel like Michigan State would have a much different stance on this if it was still Mark D'Antonio instead of Mel Tucker. I feel like Mel Tucker still kind of has, you know, a little bit of that Pac-12 mindset from his one year at Colorado. 
I think the players can petition all they want. It's, you know, Kevin Warren is going to be put in a very tough position if an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Nebraska or an Iowa just decides to go rogue, which even though he's said that they'll be out of the conference if they do that, uh, also see from Connor that the Penn State parents did one, uh, did a letter last night. Kevin Warren is put in an unenviable position here because you're seeing some revolt from the Big Ten. Yeah, you're seeing some revolt from the Big Ten. You're not seeing that in the Pac-12, other than a couple of players deciding that they want to transfer. Is that going to mean that that somebody like a Justin Fields who already transferred away from the SEC is going to transfer back? Who knows? But the one thing that I don't think a lot of these players are taking into account, did you see the photo that Greg Byrne, the AD for Alabama, tweeted this weekend uh, of people waiting in line for either food or some bar in Tuscaloosa and saying, we're not going to have football. I people are, are acting like this. So it's, it's, it's a main drag in Tuscaloosa. And there's a lot of people that are like really bunched up, not wearing masks in line for either a restaurant or a bar. And he basically tweets out, you know, we're not going to have football if people continue to act like this. I'm paraphrasing there. But effectively, I think that a lot of the ADs for these SEC schools understand that the decision to play football rests on everybody being able to behave accordingly. And I think we saw earlier today with the University of North Carolina shutting down in-person classes because of 135 people, 130 students, five staff members testing positive. Even though these schools have said we're going to play, all of these schedules are not slated to start until September 26th. I still think there's a possibility that the hammer comes down on the rest of these conferences within the next two weeks. Because if cases get bad, if you see more situations like you had at North Carolina, at least in terms of what's going on on campus, again, these are college students. They're, you know, they don't have, and I'm not trying to be insulting of them, but, you know, they don't have the same maturity level as professional athletes. And I don't, I know you're not a huge baseball fan, but, you know, two Cleveland Indians players, protocol. Oh, you are a base. I see. I didn't realize that. See, I'm a big baseball nerd. But did you follow the story that went on with the the two Indians? Pure game, man. But did you did you follow the story that went on with the two Indians pitchers in Chicago? No. Uh. -uh. So Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger, two starting pitchers for the Indians, broke league protocol and left their hotel room after the team returned after a Saturday night game. They went out in public. Uh, One of them was found out then, and they made him drive back to Ohio in a rental car. The other one was able to cover it up, and then it was revealed, and he had actually been on the plane with the team. So both of them have effectively been put on their injured list and reassigned to their alternate site. So to me, if professional athletes can't get this right, then what does it say for college kids, especially kids that are in their first year on campus? I I just – I think that – College sports is on the precipice of being completely toast for the rest of the calendar year of 2020. It's just a matter of when. And I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 
just beat everybody to the punch and pulled a preemptive strike. So the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC are effectively hoping, well, let's let's not uh, – let's just see how long we can go, and then we're going to uh, – we're going to, you know, suffer the consequences, whatever that might be. Right. And you know what's not helping, man? These – when these false positive tests come to light, like – you know, like there was some guy, it was either like a governor or a mayor had tested positive and then took another test that came up negative and then that went mainstream. And then another one, the same exact thing went mainstream. That does not help. When you have like, you know, North Carolina, I think they their positivity rate jumped between like 13 and 14 percent, if I remember correctly. It jumped between 13 and 14 percent. There are going to be people out there who go, well, how many of those positives were actually negatives? Like, like, like that's always going to be a rebuttal, and that's not helping things. Um, and that's just – and that's – there's such a big divide right now. And whenever there's a I gotcha, that just strengthens that wall that is separating people from being on the same – uh, side of this. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that the big issue that you're going to see is that nobody is aligned on this. And even if, you know, and, and Drake brings up a great point in the discussion, says the big question is whether college basketball can avoid the similar fate of college football you know, basketball and football are very different because of the nature of the sport and the amount of contact you have and just purely the amount of people. I think that there's a really the numbers, the, the numbers. Yeah, exactly. You know, college basketball, you're dealing with fewer numbers. And in my mind, college basketball players are going to have more time to adjust to COVID protocol. I am just very wary of what is going on around the country and what happens if teams don't shut it down and you end up in a situation where a player gets very ill, let alone if a player ends up dying. I mean, I said this on one of my own podcasts, and I'm not sure if you agree with this, and this is a terrible thing to think, but I honestly feel like this is somewhat where it's come to, is it going to take somebody dying for people to understand that they've got to take this seriously? My dude, that, the politician, what's his name? The black guy, Republican. What's his name? Somebody uh, from what? Uh, black guy. Ben, ben Carson? Carson. Ben Carson dies, right? And there are people. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, was sorry. Herman no. King. Herman yeah, King. Yeah, 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 Herman yeah. King. Thank you, Aaron and Jeff. Appreciate it. So you have Herman Cain. You have Herman Cain dying. And it's not, holy crap. You know, you know maybe, hey, we can believe whatever we, we want to believe. But like, hey, let's take a step back here. And let's overreact whenever we're around the president and we're around 
people who are close with him, let's be overreactive and let's wear a mask, let's social distance and all that fun stuff. That didn't happen. We, I'm seeing like conspiracy theories about his death that like people went out and like killed him to like prove a point. So I think if anything happens to a college student, they're going to find something. They're going to say, well, he had a blood clot when he was 16 years old. That could have been what happened. And he just happened to have COVID. Like there's always going to be some type of excuse that fits their narrative and does not go to anything else. And, and, and that's what sucks. And that's what sucks. We just, it's not going to be, if someone comes out and says, Hey, Hey, they had a bad, you know, they had a bad knee injury and they had a blood clot and they died. He happened to have COVID. He didn't die from COVID with that. It was a blood clot. Right. But then one side goes, well, that's a COVID death. The other side goes, well, he didn't die from COVID. Da, 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 da. Both sides are, you know, you know, one side may be right, one side may be wrong. But then that's the argument for literally everything, for literally everything. And if a player dies, one side is going to say, see, you should have did this. The other side is going to say, well, he could have died in a car accident driving to the stadium that day. You know what I mean? So it's, it is a, it is a lose-lose for literally everybody. Oh, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly there. I obviously am on the side of I'm very cautious when, in whatever it is that I do, and I'm not going to be the, the person that puts conspiracy theories out there. But again, I'm not everybody. There's a lot of people that think like me. Right. There's a lot of people that don't think like me. And the problem that, like you said, will persist is that if we're not on the same page universally, then these issues are going to continue to persist. There has to be a shock factor that gets, you know, people awoken to this issue and the, and people, and I want to transition to how this, you know, affects the potential for, for spring ball. This is going to be no different if there's no vaccine. If we're in the same place as a country yeah. in February, then there's no, there's no, reason why we can think any differently i mean spring ball is is idealistic it's a lot different out here than it is in the midwest you know utah colorado washington state the palouse they get a lot of snow you'll have to deal with snow that's the only issue in the pac-12 i couldn't imagine could you imagine like arizona state <laughs> going to washington state to try and play in the snow you get all these kids from arizona and southern california i'm just like yeah but you know in the midwest like like yeah think about it like you you know you're a basketball player like going to minnesota in january or february like just even being Sucks. around there like so think depressing. about playing on a football field do you remember um years ago <laughs> before the before the vikings new stadium was built when the vikings had to play the last couple of games 
at, I think this is when Brett Favre was the quarterback, at TCF Bank Stadium. And they had to do it in December, and the field wasn't built to handle that type of temperature and that amount of snow because the Gophers don't play there past the end of November. So they're having to play December games there. And I remember Brett Favre's career ended on a Corey Wooten for the Chicago Bears and a Northwestern alum sack. And it was because the field was so hard and it was so cold. I don't. I just use that as an example. How are you going to play unless it is in mid-March? How are you going to train and then let alone play in the conditions of the states of Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, especially Wisconsin. I could just keep going on and on. You know, how are you, how are you going to do that? Right. Well, like most of these, most of these schools do have like indoor fields, which helps, which helps out a lot. It's not the same, but like, these are still these like ginormous things. They're still indoor, but in terms of yeah. like, <laughs> playing playing in Ann Arbor in January, <laughs> that does not sound fun at all. Not at all. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. But <laughs> I feel really bad. I feel really bad for the freshman incoming um, to college. Because in my opinion, that was my most fun year. Um, basketball was cool. Uh, being with your team was cool. But man, that first year socially, you learned so much about yourself that you had no clue about before. And you meet other people, especially on these big campuses. Like, you know, Michigan was like, had 40, 45,000 people on campus. And, you know, you get to meet people who necessarily don't aren't athletes but still have your same line of thinking um, and, you know, befriending them and uh, understanding where they come from and meeting people of the different cultures. Um, Hank, you know, you know, walking in, into, like, a random group session. You don't know what they're talking about, but you just want to be a part of it because you see a bunch of people in there who care about something and you just want to know what's up. Um, the social aspect of college, um, in my opinion, is what you pay your tuition for. You know, you get the paper and all that fun stuff, your four-year degree, your two-year degree, your master's, whatever. Um, it comes down to your connections, and it comes down to finding yourself and learning how to grow. And uh, a lot of freshmen are, are going to miss out on that first year. And their college years are going to be cut short to like, like one, one of the things going to get back to normal, like, like normal, normal, like 2023, 2022. And now you have freshmen going into their junior years. Now they're going to experience being social and they get that for, for, you know, two years. And that sucks. Cause at 17, 18, I, I truly like, believe you're still de- you're still developing mentally and emotionally um and they're gonna miss out on on a lot man and that's and that sucks big time for them 
Yes, it does. I remember when I was a freshman, it was a, it was a time to meet new people, to expand my horizons and to be able to learn a lot about myself, not only as a student and what I wanted to do with my life, but just about how I develop as a person. And I feel like a lot of athletes and not just, you know, students, but a lot of athletes see a lot of their personal growth through their sports. And imagine that you're a football commit that signed during the early signing period in November, uh, rather in mid-December of 2019. I think it was early December, sorry. Imagine that, and then imagine where you're at right now. This is supposed to be your freshman year. This is supposed to be the year where you kickstart the rest of your life. And for so many people, that rug has just been drug out from under them. And I don't, I don't envy any of that, um, you know, what these guys are, are having to go through. Obviously, in the professional world, it's been a very difficult time. But, you know, college is a really important part of the whole experience. And I think through all of it, you know, the kids that are at these Big Ten, these Pac-12 institutions, not to mention, you know, all the other conferences, the Mountain West, the MAC the Ivy League, all of these kids are missing out on really meaningful experiences, you know, and it's not just the football players. You know, we, we talk about football, but, you know, at a lot of the Big Ten and Pac-12 schools, women's volleyball is as good as any program. Men's and women's soccer. Yeah, it um, is. You know, the yeah. sport, you know, 100%. sports like golf as well, who, you know, you're able to socially distance on the golf course a lot of these guys aren't going to be able to play tournaments for a while. So you're, you know, everybody is in this position, you know, it's not just the football players, but you know, the football players, because of the athletic model, they help fund a lot of those other programs. So, you know, whether, whether or not you can play those other sports, as much as we want to think that colleges are, are completely insolvent from this stuff, they really depend a lot on football. I, did you read what the MAC commissioner had said when the Big Ten had initially announced that they were going conference only? How much money MAC schools lost because of the buy games that the Big Ten had canceled? It was somewhere upwards of like a million dollars. Yeah, which I believe, I believe, like that's that's that is that is so much money, man. <laughs> that is so much money, man. And uh, there's no winners. There's there are no winners in this whole thing. And you know, we're all taking L's. It feels like you know every single day. Um, do you think you know? Do you think the Big Ten? You know, people have said, "Hey, you know, you have to listen to the parents and what the parents want." And my response every time is, have you have you ever spent time with an elite player's parent? They are the craziest human beings on the planet. The craziest. I'm not sure we should be listening to them. Um, should we listen to their concerns? Most definitely. Um, the kids, hey, this is their sport that they're playing and 
you know, they're putting their bodies at risk. Um, do you think they have a shot? Do you think they have a shot at? Do you think Big Ten and Pac-12, their football is done until 2022 fall? Because I don't think spring will work. I I don't think it can work. In my opinion. I don't necessarily know about 2022 fall, but I think that what is going to tell the future of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 football-wise is what happens with the other three power conferences that have elected to go play. I think that they have effectively put themselves as the guinea pigs, the you know test rats, per se, to show whether or not you can do this or not. And I do believe with the three conferences that have said that they're going to play, at least one of them is going to throw in the towel before opening kickoff on September 26th. You know, it was funny, and based on everything that had gone on with baseball and the Cardinals outbreak and the Marlins outbreak, I had thought that baseball wasn't going to finish. But baseball is a sport where, for the most part, it's non-contact. And once people got their you-know-what under control, then it finally seemed like, okay, we've had these outbreaks, but now people get the message. There are some things in football that you just cannot control based on how close you are to other people. I had read the list of all of the players that opted out of the NFL season. Half of them were either offensive or defensive linemen. They're afraid of their health because of the amount of contact that, you know, they're making contact with somebody on every play. So you're going to see, I don't necessarily know, you know, what kind of timeline you can give. I will tell you this, it is going to be reactionary to whatever happens with the other three conferences. If all three of those schools get through this season without any major outbreaks, because I think it's kind of been determined without any recourse that whether there's one or two positives, that's not going to stop the train from rolling. But if there's an outbreak, that's what's going to be the big issue. So I'm not necessarily going to rule out fall of 2021. I do think that the spring is highly unlikely. I think that college basketball is going to be where a lot of people pivot because I think that for a lot of these athletic departments, you are going to have to find a way to be able to make college basketball work, to recoup all of the money. Because I'm thinking about, you know, a school like, you know, a conference like the West Coast Conference, which, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are your followers, you know, that's the conference that has Gonzaga and St. Mary's, St. Mary's and BYU. BYU. Like that's that USF, Santa Clara, that's a basket that is a non-football conference. They have canceled fall sports. Yeah. But their big revenue maker is college basketball. So, you know, all of you know, Big Ten and the Pac-12, you know, we we think of some of the football powerhouses there. Like these are some great basketball schools too. Like the Big Ten is a much better basketball conference than it is a football conference. But the sheer numbers of it all basically say that all the money comes from football. Well, at this point, if you're Kevin Warren and you're the athletic directors 
and you are, you know, everybody in these administrations, you have to 1000% have to already be thinking about how are you going to make college basketball happen? What plans and safeguards are you going to put into place so that you don't lose both of your two biggest revenue generators for the year? And remember, you already lost the NCAA tournament from last season. You know, this all and came the, down. And the conference. And the conference tournament. Right. You know, the Big Ten got two games in. No games. Pac-12. Oh, the first round. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. The, the first day. And then do you remember, like, early the next day when I think it was, like, Creighton and St. John's? that started the game in the big, like they were the only, yeah. And they canceled the game at halftime. I just remember when all that was going down, like they lost so much money. You know, everybody lost so much money with no NCAA tournament. All these institutions in the NCAA, they're like, this can't happen again. But unless there's a vaccine and unless, you know, we permanently crush the curve, we're going to be, in the same spot. And I think that the unity movements that were put out by the Pac-12 players and the Big Ten players, there is a big sea change that is occurring in college sports. Players mm-hmm. are having a louder voice than they ever have before. The system of yeah. college athletics, and in my opinion, and I'm not afraid to say this, at least in regards to you know, college football and college basketball players, the farce of amateurism, I think, is coming to an end. And I think that one of the reasons why you didn't have, (laughs) why you don't have a Big Ten or a Pac-12 fall season is that these players are putting themselves at risk without any guarantee of monetary compensation for the risk that they're putting. You know, you can say, well, why is this, you know, why is this different than what the pro sports are doing? Those guys make money. You know, they they have the option of opting out. You know, they don't have to do this. That's their job. You know, they, you know, that's their livelihood. So, you know, they have to be extra careful with what they do to make sure that they make their money. Whether a college player plays or not, their bank account's not changing. And I read somewhere that like, you know, one individual college football player, if you divide up the revenues for a big time power conference school, you know, an individual player is worth over $1.1 million to a school. And, you know, you can make the argument about, you know, scholarship, tuition, room and board. That's still, you know, that's still not enough. 100%. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%, man. 100%. And this has been, this is, this isn't something that's just coming up now. Like this has been brewing for a long, long time, but, but players really didn't have any, anything to really stand on. Um, And I think this is really exposing a lot of flaws. Um, And how, and how much of a farce, you know, the term student athlete is. Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, 
I'm with you wholeheartedly there. You know, student athlete is not a term that I think people really believe. And, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call it out, you know, and, and I'm not saying that these kids don't go to class, but do you really think the majority of SEC football players are student athletes? I mean, I'm sorry, that sounds a little bit mean, but like, do you go to Alabama? Do you go to LSU to go to school? The answer to me is no. And and the other and the other problem is, and, and just in, in relation to college basketball, and this is a whole other topic, the fact I am so sick of the one and dones because it ruins the, the continuity of a program. You know, if 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 mm-hmm. you if you want to be a pro, go be a pro. That's why I think this NBA right. G League thing is absolutely wonderful. Because somebody like a Jalen Green who is, you know, top three prospect in the class of 2020 decides I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to go play a year in the G league and then be eligible for the draft because I can make money there. And, you know, I don't have to participate in college basketball, which I really didn't want to in the first place. All of this is going to change what happens with college athletics. And if COVID is still a big issue Come next year at this time, you're going to see a lot of things change in regards to how student athletes are compensated. And I was a junior when Kane Coulter decided to start the unionization movement at Northwestern. That, like, I was there, boots on the ground. He received a lot of blowback for that. And there were a lot of, you know, that eventually got broken up because it just wasn't strong enough. You're going to see something like that continue to push forward. And it's just a matter of if the NCAA doesn't give into this, you know, what is the future? Hello, Greg. Yeah, sorry. Somebody was calling me, so I had to. Uh, oh, gotcha. I, had to, I, I think my my mic uh, my mic cut off. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going to go on. We're, I, I'm we're tired of playing the speculation area, game. I don't know. We're in such a gray area. Like we don't even. This is a. Uh, what what you would call well, like uncharted territory like we don't really have anything to base this time off of so everybody's just winging it yeah everybody is just winging it i i wish that wasn't the case and i guess that's maybe a microcosm of of where we're at in society right now that we're just winging it, it and sucks man yeah it majorly does it sucks, because man. You know, it's cost me, you know, it's cost me my job for a bit. It's, you know, you're obviously the guy that is talking about, you know, Michigan and Big Ten sports. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're a Big Ten athlete and you love the Big Ten. And, and I'm, I'm going to be kind of lost without college football because, you know, to me, you know, I grew up in the, in the Bay Area. So I grew up around Cal Stanford, worked for the Pac-12. I went to school in the Big Ten. 
I don't really care to watch SEC football or Big 12 football. Like, that, that, that doesn't do anything for me. I don't have the same connection. So to me, and, and you know, right. I feel like the, the conference commissioners made the right decision. It's just going to be a matter of when do people in those other conferences realize that they made the wrong decision. Not to mention, not to mention that where COVID-19 is the worst, Florida, SEC, Georgia, SEC, <laughs> Texas, Big 12. It's been bad specifically in New Orleans, SEC. There, <sighs> man, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what I look the global map is going to be. That COVID map that goes along with the teams that are still playing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yes, it is. Uh, no, no question about that. It is absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's a lot of issues that, that we're going to be dealing with um, continuously for quite a long time. And I don't know how. So out by you. I, you broke up. No, I'm still here. I got you. Okay. Um, so out by you, what are high schools doing? Because in Michigan, they just postponed just football to the spring. All high school sports in California are toast for the fall. So all sports. Wow. 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 What 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 do those seniors do, man? I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you I don't know how you go to a lot of those kids and say, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, buddy, your uh your career is over. Um that's a really difficult thing to do for a lot of these um for a lot of these guys. It's heartbreaking. It, it it really is. And and you're you're sitting there as an administrator or as a or as a parent and there's really nothing that you can do other than just say I'm sorry. And I, I don't know I don't know how I don't know what that's going to do to make things better um, for these kids because it certainly is it's certainly something that I'm sure like think about here's what I think about and and I use this as you know I use this as you know my comparison point for the high school kids the Oregon women's basketball team, in my opinion, was going to win the national championship. I had seen enough of them play. Sabrina Ionescu was the best player in the country, men or women, and probably one of the top five, if not top three players in the history of women's college basketball. And she was going to go pro after a junior year, but she came back for 
unfinished business. Oregon loses two games the entire regular season. They roll through the Pac-12 tournament. They're going to be a number one seed. They're going to end up playing in a Portland regional. And then all of this happens. You've got one of the best teams in women's college basketball in the last 10 years. And a player that specifically came back, avoided turning pro, so that she could win a national title. Now, granted, she did end up being the number one pick in the draft, but think about that. You you come back and to to go on this mission with the rest of your teammates, and then it just completely disappears. That's how. That's the feeling I think a lot of you know high school seniors are feeling. Uh, You know, especially kids that are on you know, football and volleyball teams that had a chance to compete for conference titles, let alone state titles. Yeah. I don't see, unlike college, you might have a possibility in the spring. You know, how does this affect recruiting? How does this affect college recruiting for a lot of these kids? Kids that could have had their ticket to a scholarship on a great year this year, and now that's not happening. Yep. Yep. And that sucks, man. And it just, it also comes down to a lot of these kids who won't be going to college to play that sport. Like they played their last game a year ago. Like they're going to play their last fall game when they were a junior and they and they work all winter all spring all summer all for not and uh and and i don't know what these kids i don't know what these kids should do and a lot of them if they if they are good enough what they should do is they should go to one of these prep schools for a year or do something like that, man. Um, man, because I know, I know one of my followers, one of my followers ended up, um, he ended up going to his, I think his son, transferred out to South Kent for hockey um for his for his final year. And that's all because of COVID. All because of COVID, man. Um but we're approaching up it's it's a sad time for a lot of people. It really is. Um we're approaching time here. Um Okay, just poured an ice cold Coca Cola. No, no, that was me getting refrigerator water. It, it was really, really good. Um, approaching time here. Does anybody else have any uh, questions or anything they want to say or like join the chat for? Um, give you guys a couple minutes here, and then we'll uh, uh, wrap up. I just want to say that this was a lot of. Given the somberness of the topic, this was a really fun and 
and lively discussion. And I appreciate you having me on for a second time on your platform. So I sincerely appreciate that. And I'm just glad there are people that, you know, really care about the whole issue when it comes to college sports not happening. And I hope that, you know, more people can come to the realization that there are some things that are bigger than sports. Am I sad that there's going to be no Big Ten or Pac-12 football? Absolutely. Would I have felt guilty if they had played without regarding, you know, the health of everybody involved? Absolutely. So, you know, I know that it's such a cliche to say, and it's a AKAK asked a question about spring practice for football. Um, he said, yeah. sorry for it's not getting one, back to the defense. The, the, do you think that if there's no spring season that they'll still try to do spring practices? If so, have you heard anything about allowing for more practices during that time? The latter part, uh, haven't heard anything. But, yes, they will 100% still do their their spring practices. They're not going to stop operations. All they're doing is not having games, but they're going to still play and practice all the time as if, you know, there's going to be a game here in two to three weeks. Uh, They can't just stop doing what they're doing. Um, They're going to still recruit. But at least for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're going to – it's going to be very – at least in the fall, it's going to be very limited. So – I think somebody mentioned 20 hours a week, which I think is the, I think is the uh, NCAA limit. I, I feel, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to end up being less than that. Um, at least you for the teams so? that aren't playing. I do. I just, if you know that you're not playing a game until, you know, at earliest, if at all, March, I don't see why you're, I don't see why you're you're going, you know, 20 hours a week of practice. Maybe you're putting a, a yeah. big emphasis on conditioning, but I don't think that that would suck. I don't think that they're going to go full full boat. But uh, Connor just said that Boise is shutting down practice. You know, boy, I I used to work in the state of Idaho. Boise is having a real big issue right now. The whole city in regards to COVID spikes. So. That might be more of an environmental issue than it is necessarily a school issue. There's there's so many different scenarios in regards to every campus's situation. I think everybody's going to take it on a case-by-case basis, but at least for the future of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, if there's football being played in the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC on September 26th, I think that following those timelines is going to give us a lot more in terms of where our two conferences stand moving forward. What does the big 10 and the Pac-12 do if they're having games, no breakouts whatsoever? Like what, like, because people, I don't think you can just, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like they're going to say, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what they can do. They they just yeah. – they, effect, effectively, they're going to have to say that, that we made a, a miscalculated decision, but one that we thought was in the, you know, health and safety of everybody involved. 
The thing is, though, Ant, that hypothetical that you put out there, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I don't see any way that any of these teams get through a season without a major outbreak, especially if they're not testing every day. And I know that you said we're close on time. Did you hear about what was going on with former Ole Miss coach Hugh Freeze at Liberty? Did not. So that's an FCS program. So Liberty is in the news for a lot of different reasons. I won't go into the breadth of it all. I'm sure a lot of people that that know about Liberty know what I'm talking about. The school is ridiculous. Yes. Liberty stopped testing two weeks ago because none of the players were showing symptoms. That says all you need to know (laughs) about the ability to trust anybody involved in this process who is proceeding. The whole thing from the start is that there are asymptomatic carriers. So just because they're not showing symptoms doesn't mean that they don't have it. So they haven't tested in two weeks. Who the hell knows how many people on the team have it? Jesus. That's just that's that, why I don't that think that they'll get through ignorance. it safely. That's just ignorance. Yes, and like, it's actually just... Sy- Syracuse's Syracuse. So here's an interesting thing. For everybody that's watching, follow along with what the Syracuse football program is doing. Because of the conf- of the three conferences that have said they're going to play, Syracuse has been the most defiant of all of them in regards to actually returning to play. Their head coach, Dino Babers, has effectively canceled practice because he's concerned about his athletes and his athletes saying, we don't feel comfortable coming back and, and practicing. So follow along with what Syracuse does. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we get to about two weeks before the season and, and it would have to come from a team-wide vote if Syracuse ends up opting out of the ACC season. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. Oof. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Any more discussions here? Anything else? Uh, <laughs> AKA case comment at the end. <laughs> 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 that's funny um hey so thank you guys so liberty, much liberty gonna liberty <laughs> thank you for listening in um for everybody and uh i'm gonna do this more on locker room just like an open panel discussion type of deal um and then like once you guys are more comfortable feel free to like ask to like tap in and then you could like join us on panel and talk with us and all that fun stuff. Um, but I really like this app. I like it a lot, man. Uh, tell your friends about it. Cause it's, it's super cool. And like I said before, um, you know, if you don't have like a platform on anything else, like Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, I mean, this is a new app. Like this is such a great opportunity for you. If you know, you want your, your voice to be heard more and you want to like develop your own community and platform. Uh, This is, this is a really big opportunity for you guys as well. hundred percent. 
my first time using it, I sincerely enjoyed it. I think it's like it's Twitch for just audio. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I've described it as Zoom, Twitter, and radio all combined. I can agree with that. Thousand percent. I like it though. Greg Maraz, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you everyone for, for uh listening in. I'm gonna go ahead and uh end the room now and I'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.